So we have been, haven't we, in the last few weeks in a series called Courageous Resistance. We're like digging our heels in. We're deciding what we want to stand for, the something that we'll stand for so that we just don't fall for anything. And then we're moving on now for the next kind of few weeks to think about not just kind of standing firm and standing still and standing rooted in the truths of God, but also then being forward, front-footed, and looking forward, planning ahead, based on the decisions that we've decided to say yes or no to. So we've all probably been filtering things in our lives and um, perhaps feeling a bit challenged by some of those things that we've heard from the story of Daniel. I mean, what an amazing character, wasn't he? Totally amazing. So... um, I was asked to speak on money and our stuff, which I have to say is quite a challenging topic, um, given that the era that we're in and also just the sensitivities of some people having extreme um, financial resources and some people having small financial resources, some people being redonkulously gifted and talented and others feeling like... I can do this, <laughs> and not, not really seeing what they've got from the Lord. So I really prayed um, about what passage to bring to us this morning, and I hope um, the Holy Spirit speaks to you through his word, because um, there are not loads of points I want to make about money and stuff. I feel like this is for God to shape our lives on. And um, he does speak so many times about our resources in Scripture. He talks about the use of our time. He talks about the use of our money. He talks about how we use the skills that we've been given. And it's all basically, the, the bottom line is, it's all his. <laughs> it's all his. And he gave it to us, exactly how Joe and Simon were illustrating earlier. He's trusted it to us. Whatever we've got is, is an entrustment from the king. And what we then do with it and how we then work it out between us all on this planet is between us and God based on the value system and the principles that he has put out for us in scripture. So if you've got big decisions to make on your money, on your time, please can I encourage you to search the scriptures to be your lead on how you do that because God has really important things to say far too many for me to be able to condense into one short talk on Community Sunday here um, when we're all gathered together. But there's hundreds and hundreds of verses on resources. There's proverbs on the, the use of our wisdom and application of what we've been given. But this is the passage I felt God to... Um, wanted to share with us today. And to be honest, it's one of my favorites anyway, so it's not a hard one for me to share because I feel like it's run through my life and quite often I go back into it and feel like God starts to speak to me in a fresh way for it. So I'm going to try and share what I've um, felt God say through this and perhaps you'll end up going a bit off-piste in your mind because he'll land a phrase to you and that's totally fine because I just feel we want to hear God don't we on our money on our resources on our stuff on our time on the skills he's given us so why don't we just pray now and the passage is um, 2 Kings chapter 4 and it's a story about Elisha and his encounter with a widow And it's really challenging, so brace yourselves. We're going to need to pray first. (laughs) So, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word stands eternal. That your word pierces us right into our souls. 
It starts to weave its way into our lives, into our decisions. And Lord, we ask your spirit to speak through your word to us today. Lord, challenge us, inspire us, motivate us. And Lord, help us to trust you more with everything that is around us in this world at the moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 2 Kings, chapter 4, just seven short verses, but goodness me, are they not completely packed with truth and treasure from God. Um, First of all, to say, the name Elisha, Elisha was a, a prophet in the Old Testament time, so we're going back thousands of years here, but his name meant God is my salvation. And often when you hear the name of someone in scripture, you're kind of beckoning into your own world, that aspect of your character. So when Elisha starts to interact with the widow, and you'll see what happens, basically as she calls out to him, she's calling God be my salvation. (laughs) That's what she's doing. And I think that's a really good place for us to start, isn't it? Who are we going to for advice? And, and there's a couple of warnings I want to give us that are going on in society at the moment. The media is going to put fear in us, to be honest, at the moment, because they've got an agenda. This is not a big conspiracy theory. This is just, you know, watch what happens to you as you watch the news. Do you feel more trusting in God or more fearful? What fruit is it bearing? Be careful. Be careful. Be connected to the world. We're not meant to hide away like hermits, are we? But be careful. (laughs) So I think there's a sort of a fear that's been swarming around over the last few years that's really tried to land on us. And we mustn't take it as the children of the Most High God. We must call to God as our salvation. (laughs) There's lots of knowledge and information out there. That's the danger, knowing too much. It's the thing that was the cause of the fall. (laughs) The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I must know. And our kind of fussling around is what I say. I I go on an awful rabbit warren on the internet (laughs) that can be terrible because I want to know, I want to know. I even, um, Hill's talk the other night, it made me laugh. Even I want to know the end of a film or the end of a series before I can relax and watch it really weird, I know. (laughs) She said her daughter did it too, and I went, oh, that's just like me, because I must know. And it's not very healthy. (laughs) It actually derails me, because what's the counteraction of that is the wisdom of God. God is my salvation. God is my salvation, not any information I think I may have discovered. So this this chap, Elisha, is representative of the salvation of God interacting with this widow. And so let's let's just um, look at um, what happens through this narrative in Kings that's been recorded and see how God's Spirit starts to speak to you and stir you. So 2 Kings 4, starting at verse 1. Lord, we just pray you'll speak to us. This is your word. This is your house. And we are yours. And all our stuff, all our resources came down from you. Every good and perfect gift came down from above to us, from the Father of lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. 
So God, we say, God who doesn't change, speak to us. And help us to see the good gifts that you've put within us, Lord. Amen. So, this is reality for this lady. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Remember, she's crying, God, be my salvation. That's what she's doing. She's crying to the right place. Are you crying out to the right place for salvation, for help? And this is what she said. Your servant, my husband, is dead. This is brutal already. This is real life. This is trauma that at some point we'll all experience loss. And the Bible doesn't hide it, does it? It's here in the text. And you know that he revered the Lord. Here's a theological question. Why does awful stuff happen to good people? Hard. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know he revered the Lord. So she has got a horrendous loss. And it's not going to be rewritten, spoiler alert. He's not getting resurrected in this narrative. This is a terrible tragedy. But she cried out to God as salvation. She went to the right place in her pain and in her disappointment and in her confusion. And then there's another threat looming over her head because of this loss. There's been an awful um, implication. Now, his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So not only is there lost life, there's now a threat of lost resource and lost children. <laughs> if ever there was a sort of illustration of how the enemy wants to operate in our lives, this is it. Scripture in John 10.10 says that the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, rob, destroy. But Jesus comes to bring life to the full. And she is living in the consequences of the broken world. But she's called out to God as salvation. She's beckoned Elisha to come and get involved as a representation of the Most High God. There's a horrible fear that's looming over her about what else could be lost. And I don't know, is there a horrible fear over you? Really? With the era we're in, with the narrative that's going on, how are we feeling? I think we've got to decide <laughs> what we get front-footed on. And I don't want to just lie down and take it <laughs> when there's a battle going on where we can get on the front foot with this. So listen to Elisha's reply to her. He's speaking as the voice of God into her life, the saving power of Jesus. He says to her, how can I help you? I wonder if God asked us that question today. Have we kind of even thought to ask for the Lord's help? 
It's kind of like Christianity 101, isn't it? <laughs> but I don't know why, my brain, sometimes I can just carry along and forget to ask. But Elisha's asking her, how can I help you? And then he says these amazing words. What do you have in your house? So she's had massive loss. She's got fear, tremendous fear of more loss. I mean, you know, imagine living in a life where your children could get snatched because you owe something. Horrendous history. But God has been working through that history very well, and he will continue to work in our story very well because he is our salvation. And he doesn't say, he doesn't focus on what are you scared of, what have you lost, what have you not got. So easily I sort of look around my house saying I haven't got a table I haven't got a dining room. I just want to host. But God's like, but you've got some sofas and you've got a cooker and you've got a really cool family that your student neighbours want to come and hang around. You've got enough to host. <laughs> we had a hilarious moment where we had some students who lived next door to us and uh, they were like, can we come and celebrate our birthday in your house? And we were like, don't you have other cooler people to hang out with? We've got a fallen down ceiling, we've got no table, and we've got quite, I'm a bad cook, so really rubbish food. <laughs> and they were like, please, can we come? And we were like, yeah, okay, come along. And you can't get the kids' work out of me. If those of you who've been around this church for a long time, you'll remember this era of Heli. So we got them little party hats that they made, little ears, rabbit ears, and we did a little craft. And then it got to like nine, and Mike and I were like, we've got a Zoom call. And they're like, can we stay a bit longer? And we were like, yeah. So weird. When I was at uni, we would have not been the people to hang out with. And then this one guy, he was on the sports team, and he was like, I'm just going to text my guys and say I'm not coming tonight. And he paid a fine so that he could hang out with us for a bit longer. And we were just like, this is the weirdest thing ever. But it's because God was saying, not what have you not got? What do you not think you are? But what have you got in your house? We were like, don't look up at the ceiling. It's literally falling down. <laughs> but they loved it. And then the other day, we got a text saying, can we come and hang out again soon? And we were like, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> come on in. Bring your friends. <laughs> but it's, you know, what have you got? So easily, we go to, I have not got. Or this is disappointing. Or I have lost. But what actually have you got? What do you have in your house, in your life, in your character? Because you will have been put by God unique things that other people around you don't have. I'm sure our neighbours have got way nicer lounges than we have. They've got tables <laughs> and matching plates. But our students loved our house. And it, it was brilliant. And we love them, because <laughs> it's what we have. And it's so easy to start to, you know, one of the Ten Commandments is do not covet your neighbor's oxen <laughs> or their house, their wife. What have we got that's uniquely ours? Goodness me, what a challenge in itself. I told you this passage was deep. 
we haven't even got to the, se- the third verse <laughs> out of seven. Like, you'll be like, come on. <laughs> but what have you got that's uniquely yours? Let's think of another metaphor for this. I sometimes think of all the things that God's poured into our lives as like seed. You know, imagine just a massive handful of seed. And some of it's for you to enjoy and to sow and to plant and see spring up and turn into something in your own life. And I'm talking about your time is the seed. I'm talking about your experiences. Those are like seeds that have uniquely come into you that will take shape, your resources, your money, your your physical you. Your physical you is different to someone else's physical them. Even that is, is part of the seed that God's poured into you, his life. But then within that, you can either let it all slip through your fingers and waste it, or you can hold it too tightly so that it never grows and never goes anywhere. Or you can think, right, God's given me this. How much of this is for me? And how much does God want me to sow into the lives of others? And go through with time, go through your diary. How much is you time? How much are you sowing into the lives of others, investing in them? Go through prayer time. How much are you clinging on and how much are you sowing into the lives of others? With your money, look at your bank account. Where your treasure is, that it shows that's a map to where your heart's located. And sometimes I need to rein my heart back <laughs> from a really weird place because I've poured so much money into something. I think that was... That was not godly. <laughs> and, and so I'm looking at everything I've been given. And, and God doesn't give us numbers in scripture to say this amount you always have to do. <laughs> he gives ideas and guidelines and principles. So Old Testament, he said, here's a start. With all your food and the stuff that you've grown, give 10% of that. Back to the place you get fed, the storehouse that's the shared community area. And it's slightly different for us because we pay taxes to a system that can generate food or healthcare for us. But I feel, you know, not to be scary. I think those times are slightly coming to an end and it's going to go back to how the church needed to be, where we are the healthcare system. So we need to start praying for healing. We need to start declaring war on oppression and demonic forces at work. Sow those seeds. (laughs) But he doesn't say, always give every month 100 pounds to Joe Bloggs. He doesn't say that in scripture. He says, read my word with my spirit and walk well with what I've given you. (laughs) Because it's all his. And he trusts you. And he's a very good parent Some of us have been walking with God a long time. (laughs) And so we're going, God, tell me what. And he's going, you choose. (laughs) He's not controlling in that way. He just has given us a value system that we go, everything's yours really, God. (laughs) And if you feel you're a bit tight, so the other week, Michael laughed at this because this is my public confession to what I've privately admitted. (laughs) So we lent... um, uh, we, uh, in our road, we, we are kind of building community, and we're loving it. So Mike's helped someone break into someone's house before, their own house. <laughs> Clarification. <laughs> 
So he's now got the reputation as Mr. Fix-It, which, you know, is a very good reputation to have, even if we sometimes don't know what we're doing. He confidently walks out with another ladder. <laughs> Here I come to save the day. Anyway, um, there's been times... The other week, we were trying to do an... Ad this is at Christmas. We were trying to do an Advent window around St. Paul's and, you know, put our Bible verse up there and... Yeah, that worked really well. It wasn't very good, but it got the Bible verse up. And um, we didn't have any glue, so I text my neighbour, Chrissy, have you got any glue? Yeah, sure, come round. Yeah, come round. And they dropped it right. So we're already starting to share what we have. And then, so they lent me the glue. And then my other neighbour was like, can I borrow your battery charger for the car? And someone's just brought me the glue <laughs> for our window. And I'm like, no. <laughs> this is what I said inside myself. No. My dad gave that to me, no. <laughs> and it's sitting in the house, taking up space. It's not even like I'm using the thing. And so Mike was like, go on, take it round, or let, let them come round and get it, or we'll take it out. So Mike, because he's more generous than me, and we've realised that in our relationship, he's the generous one. If you want anything from us, Mike. <laughs> go there first. <laughs> Um, he's like, go on, take it round. So Andreas and Lena, they've they been um, recharging their car, which breaks down probably every day, let's be fair. So, you know, they've got the, the kit. And I said to Mike the other day, have we got that back yet? And, and Mike's sort of like, because we really need it at the moment. <laughs> it's like literally just sits in our house. But there's something in me that's clingy. Do you recognise that in yourself ever over really stupid stuff? So it challenges me to go, where am I clingy? Where, do, where have I not invited the salvation of God in? Sorry, that was a really long-winded explanation of, do you hold things too tightly? Are you letting them just slip away and get wasted where they won't be resort, you know, used as seed in other people's lives? Or are you holding well and saying to God, show me, show me, I'll plant that there, I'll invest that there, I'll put my time there, I'll listen to you, Holy Spirit, and put my money there. That's, that's the point. Anyway... I digress. What do you have? What do you have? <laughs> Think about your life that's uniquely you, your talents. There's never going to be another one of you who's experienced things, who articulates things the same way as you, who prays the way you do. <laughs> I love hanging around people who pray differently to me. Recently, we've made friends, Mike's um, particularly made friends with someone, who really prays like, I bind this spirit and I loose this. And I love learning a new way. I feel like I'm all feisty about praying for things now in a way that I'd sort of got really like, oh, nice, Jesus, help me. I was like, no, this is war. Some things need to be bound and broken off people's lives. And I feel really grateful that a kind of different church cultures come into our family because <laughs> we need those kind of prayers. <laughs> anyway, you get, I think I'm making my point. Let's go. Oh, this is still verse two. <laughs> Next bit. <laughs> I hope you're sitting comfortably because I've got more. <laughs> Listen to her response. Oh, I've kind of made my point before the verse, but here we go. She says to Elisha, God is my salvation. She dares to say to the, sa the representative saviour, I've got nothing. <laughs> can you imagine? And Elisha's the prophet. He's like, I can see. <laughs> I know what you've got. <laughs> And then he kind of, she sort of, he, I kind of imagine him looking at her going, really? But he doesn't say that. She gets there herself. 
Your servant has nothing there at all. And so often we can live like that, as if it's like a spirit of poverty and lack has come upon us and loss. Whereas we have got stuff. (laughs) We all have, because God gave it to us. Then she says, except a small jar of olive oil. So she sees a tiny thing that she has got. And I wonder if today you just need to see one tiny thing and that's your start. That's the cracking, prizing open of seeing what God's put in your life, in your house, in your resources, in your you, your unique, wonderful you. What are you going to do with your amazing you while you're living? We don't know how long we've got, do we? Anyway, listen to this response, because I love the kind of collaborative principle he's teaching us. Elisha says, go round and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. So she's got one tiny full jar, but that's her bit. They have potentially got loads of empty jars between them. She didn't ask for the full. He doesn't say go and get their oil. He says, go and get what they're not using at the moment, their car battery charger. (laughs) And don't ask for just a few. Isn't that amazing? And sometimes we're too proud or too stingy. We're either too proud to ask or too stingy to hear the crying out of the people closest to us when we've got stuff that we're not even using that someone else needs. Isn't this amazing? (laughs) To think that's the strategy the servant of God gave as a prophet, that's what he said to this woman who felt in lack. Just go and ask. But you're not actually taking all their resources. This is not stealing, this is borrowing and asking. It's not snatching and grabbing. It's not coveting their oxen. (laughs) It's saying, please, could I borrow? Have you got any empty jars? (laughs) Because this prophet guy, who represents the saving plan of God for my life, is telling me to come and make a request. And then there's this beautiful moment where Elisha says, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Like, tuck down now. This is going to be an amazing moment for just you and your family to watch. This is not for public display now. This is me, God, working in you. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. Watch the miracle. (laughs) Because the salvation of God had been invited into that house of fear, of pain, of loss, of disappointed expectations. But she did ask. She did invite and call out to God. So she left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. She kind of tucked them all in to see what the king would do. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. This is a miracle of God that was only possible because she had the spare neighbor's jars. Isn't it amazing? 
And so what have you got that you could pass to someone and say, I want God to do a miracle with you. Here's this, this seed, this bit of time, this bit of investment, this bit of money. You sow it somewhere and see what God could do. And when all the jars were full, <laughs> mate, can you imagine? She just had tiny oil. Where is it coming from? You see, God can create out of nothing. God can change one thing to another thing, water to wine, but he can also make oil come. Can't he? Do you believe that? <laughs> I think I've forgotten how powerful he is. So they were all full, and she said to her son, oh, bring me another one. And then he replied, there's not a jar left. They were all completely full, and then the oil stopped flowing. So God will fill whatever he's got to work with. Isn't that amazing? And so she went, she told the man of God, and, she, and he said, go now, sell the oil, pay off your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. Because God, the salvation of God, was invited in. He was cried out to. He was called on. He asked, how can I help? And he helped. <laughs> can you hear the, what the Spirit's wanting to do in you? Can you feel it? I can feel my hands trying to be prized open because they're so stingy sometimes. Or I'm tired, I've got nothing left to pray for someone. But God's like, keep them open because I put all that in them in the first place. Don't just drop them and waste them. Don't be unwise and just chuck everything everywhere. Ask me, speak with me. Ask me how I can help you. And he cleared those debts. Jesus Christ is very good at wiping off our lives, things we owe. <laughs> Emotionally, our shame, wiped away. He's very merciful. <laughs> and even when people have been through an utter trauma and robbery, he's still wanting to work and do a miracle, even if it's not maybe what she thought. I would want my husband resurrected. <laughs> but he wants her not to lose her children. <laughs> And to see a miracle with what she has, not what's gone. That's gone. But what do you have? What is left? What could God use? How does God want to use you to help clear someone else's debt? Someone else's brokenness. I, one of my favorite things is to pray for other leaders who feel like they've been robbed. Not just financially, but in their lives of opportunities and something that Mike and I just have started to really do is pray for leaders in different churches and honestly just to give that time to listen to stories and go we break that off your family line in the name of Jesus we want to see the blessing of God for you and to stand with people to see the things that have robbed them cleared by God those debts wiped and it's not just finance. I hope you can hear this in this story. It's, not, it's so much bigger. So I can't just come and tell you about money. <laughs> it's everything about you <laughs> that God has given. 
there were a few scriptures I felt to just kind of machine gun out at you, <laughs> um, just to see if they stir anything. Because for some of us, we're living under fear and poverty. And po a poverty spirit is not one that means you're actually financially poor. You can be the richest person in the world and feel diminished. <laughs> you can also be, as I saw when I went out to Rwanda, one of the most full of life people with absolutely nothing, <laughs> playing with a rock. <laughs> so it's not about how much you have. It's, is this, just ask the Holy Spirit, is this spirit operational over you? You know, a fear spirit, a poverty spirit, a feeling basically that you're going to lose everything. That is demonic. <laughs> because God is saying, I give you life to the full. <laughs> So here's one for you, and this is not meant to be a prosperity gospel, but listen to these words from, this is Jesus, and I've said it already, but I'll say it again. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, but I have come, says Jesus, that you, they, may have life and have it more abundantly. This is 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. This is James 1:17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, no thing. Are these declarations that you need to smash in the face of fear and poverty mindsets or spirits? But then on the other side, be content with your pay. Luke 3. Do not store treasures up on earth. Moths and rust will destroy them. Robbers can break in and steal. But store your riches in heaven where robbers can't break in. Because where your heart is, there's your treasure. You cannot serve God and money. Luke 16. It's, you know, it's both sides of the coin, isn't it? God is ridiculously abundant, blesses you loads, Take a hold of it, believe for it, and also don't store it up, <laughs> die to yourself. It could go at any point. Do you see both sides? Deuteronomy 8. This is verse 18. Remember the Lord, He is the one who gives you the power to gain wealth. I really, that's a really challenging one. <laughs> What power, what's your superpower to generate resources? And then this one, generate resources, but also 
This is Paul in Philippians 4. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need and to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do this through him who gives me strength. So I think we need the strength of God. I think we need the power of the Most High God. I think we need to remember to invite God is my salvation into our house, our bank, our money, our decisions, our time, our skills, our gifts, our emotions, you get the gist, into our everything. I think we need to remember what we have, not what we've lost or what we fear we'll lose in the future, and to open our homes and our lives and our bank accounts to Jesus. Yeah? because I need to, because I'm the kind of person who won't share a battery charger. (laughs) What a loser. (laughs) Seriously. Come on. 